1: Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz. Good morning. How are you? Um, You're on mute for a second there. Um, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. um, And last week... We were talking about the importance of estate planning and we had a call about uh you know trustees who seem to possibly be breaching their duties and uh, we could have used a full hour on that topic so i'm really happy that that is our topic today and, and how you know what is a trustee and what is a trust and it you know in that regard it's always a pleasure to welcome back um you know our our, our regular expert really on this subject attorney Rick, richard courtney and Rick, good morning. You know, would you please remind us about your background and your practice area?
3: Good morning, uh, Professor Gershon. Uh, yes, I've practiced law in Jackson, Mississippi, my entire career with my dad for a while and with a small firm and then with a partner for 37 years. And um, just this year, we have uh, gotten our elder law and estate planning law firm, and we do a lot of special needs planning as well because I have an adult daughter with disabilities. And so we understand a lot about those programs. But uh, we have our practice in Madison, Mississippi, and uh, are enjoying helping people with estate planning and trusts and uh, special needs planning, all the things that we do in that practice.
2: Well, so let's talk about trust. And we, you know, again, we're so happy you're here with us today. And, um, and we'll start with the basics. I mean, a lot of people don't really know what a trust is. And so what is a trust and why Would someone choose to use a trust as a tool uh, in their their planning?
3: Yeah, when clients come in to talk about estate planning, they do have that question often. Well, you said a trust, you know, traditional estate planning is I have a will that's just written instructions about what happens with my stuff when I die. You know, that's the sort of the Courtney definition, but that's really what a will is. It just says, where will my assets go after my death? And then I have powers of attorney for medical and financial things to handle who will make decisions for me if I become unable to make those myself. A trust is a relationship. I tell clients that it's not just a document. There should be a document that explains how the relationship will work and who's got what role in that, but it is a relationship. It's where someone called a a grantor or a creator of the trust is going to give some assets or property to someone called a trustee. And we'll talk more about who a trustee and what a trustee is, Um, you know, to a trustee to hold and manage and invest and spend those assets for the benefit of a third party called the beneficiary. And you can have different people on those kind of things. You know, my wife and I have a trust we created for our daughter with a disability. She's the beneficiary. We can appoint one of her siblings. We can appoint a bank as trustee. So that's the relationship we can create in order to allow a trustee to be the one managing and controlling assets for the benefit of someone else who may not be able to control those themselves.
2: When you talk about a trustee, what, what kind of powers does a trustee have?
3: Well, trustees have powers That common law, uh, as we learned in your law school type classes, um, give them that, uh, you know, the law just gives trustees the power to manage assets. Uh, And those are also stated in state law. We have statutes in Mississippi, and every state does, that says what trustee powers are, what a trustee can do. And they're very broad. Uh, Basically, a trustee can exercise whatever power with an asset that an individual could exercise on that asset for themselves. So as trustee of some of assets for the benefit of some other beneficiary, I can invest it or spend it or do what I would do with it if it were my own. But I have this responsibility to the other person, so that may affect it a little bit. But that's basically the powers to invest to spend, to insure assets so that they don't get lost, and now the beneficiary doesn't have those anymore.
2: Well, that's, you know, that's, that's great to know. And, and when, when, let's, I mean, uh, when you said uh, grantor gives the property to the trust, I think for a lot of people, that makes them very nervous because like, okay, I'm giving my property to somebody else. Do you mind explaining how that happens? I mean, what does it mean to give the property to a trust?
3: If I create a revocable trust, let's talk about that It's one that a lot of people may use in their estate planning, a revocable trust. That means I retain the right as the creator to revoke it, to take assets back out of that trust, to spend them and, and undo the trust totally if I want to. That's the power to revoke it or amend it, however I choose. So. I retain control over those. I can name another trustee. I would deed a piece of real property, like a home or a piece of farmland. I would do a deed from Rick Courtney to the Richard Gershon Trust if I'm setting up a trust for you. And then I, give it, I deed it to the trustee of that trust. So there's a deed that transfers assets from my ownership to the trust. There can be bank accounts and investment accounts where I would go to the bank or investment company and tell them, I want to take this ask this trust account that's in the name of the Rick, you know, Rick Courtney to change it to the name of my revocable trust. So put it in the name, the Rick Courtney revocable trust, Rick Courtney trustee, if I'm going to be trustee of my own trust, or Richard Gershon trustee, if I'm going to let you be the trustee. So You change the names on assets the way someone would ordinarily change them if they're giving them to someone else. But you're gifting them to a trustee, if it's a revocable trust, I can take them back. If it's an irrevocable trust, such as I'm trying to get assets out of my estate so I don't own them anymore for possible Medicaid issues down the road or estate planning, uh, tax planning um, to get them out of my then it may be an irrevocable or irrevocable trust. And that's where I give up control. I can't take them back. I may still be able to amend certain things or appoint a new trustee, but it won't be me. I won't control them. They're in the hands of someone else now.
2: Well, that's, thank, you, thank you for that explanation, because I think a lot of people get, get worried about, oh, wow, I'm giving my property away to this, this trustee. You know, that that's... Uh... And I, I and that's I, and the other I guess another important thing is then that means the client has to do some of the work um, in setting up that trust because, you know, you're not the one who can uh, reach out to their uh, mutual fund accounts and things like that and have them transferred. They're going to have to do a lot of that work themselves.
3: Well, that's right. We when we have clients that say, well, we'd like to do a trust and, and I'll go back to when you one of the earlier questions, what is a trust and what are some benefits of it? Um one of the benefits of a trust is incapacity management. That is, if I place assets in the name of a trustee and I become incapacitated, or if the trustee becomes incapacitated, the trust can say, well, once that happens, another person's going to step in and become trustee. So you always have someone with capacity to manage and direct those assets. Uh, another uh, benefit of it is, probate avoidance. Now, anything that I put in a trust, the trust will say, at my death, you know, here these assets that are in my trust, the trustee shall distribute them to the following persons. Well, in order to distribute those assets out, the trustee doesn't have to go through the probate process uh, that assets in my personal name would have to go through. If they're in the trust, the trustee that comes in behind me will just deed those properties out, will change the names on the bank accounts from the trust to the new uh, people who I say will get them. And now they're distributed. So it's a much more simple process. Uh, you still have to do some probate sometimes to clear title on real property. If you're going to, if the uh, heirs are going to turn around and sell it, the beneficiaries of the trust after the uh, Termination of the trust. If they're going to sell real property, that might have to be probated still um, after the trust ends to clear the title. But those are some benefits of of the trust. And um, you know, the trustee has to be uh, someone that's trustworthy in order to you know to carry out those things. But you mentioned the client does have to do some work because I can't go tell their bank or their investment company to change the names on their accounts. When we do trust, we do the deeds. We prepare the deeds of real property and help get those recorded. We prepare letters from the client to their investment companies based on their accounts. The ones they want to put in their trust, we give them a letter they can take to the investment company that explains trust that's been created and how the name needs to be changed so at least they've got that to give them
1: and i think with our caller last week they were having trouble with the trustee so when we get back from our break let's get delve into uh, who should could be a trustee for a trust if you have a question you can send us your questions by email legal terms at mpbonline.org We're discussing trustees on the show with our guest attorney, Richard Courtney. But we'd also like to remind you that today is Giving Tuesday, and one way you could contribute to MPB and to support in legal terms, I've got an idea, and it won't inconvenience you at all. That is next. This is In Legal Terms. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. So today is Giving Tuesday. And if you would like to support Mississippi public broadcasting without inconveniencing yourself, you could consider leaving the MPB Foundation some funds in your will. Our foundation's website, mpbfoundation.org, has information on how you could leave a legacy. This morning, we're talking about trustees with our guest, Richard Courtney, an attorney with elder and elder law specialist. So, uh, Rick, who, who could who could be a trustee? Could I be one? Could Richard be one? Yes, to both
3: of those questions uh, in Mississippi, a trustee must be either an individual or what's called a trust company. And that's an organization, a, a bank or an investment company. That has uh, gotten certified by the banking commission to do trust services in Mississippi. There can be out-of-state trust companies who have applied to be trust, have trust services in Mississippi, and we've advised some of those on things. So um, trustees in other places could be trustees here, but it must be an individual or a trust company. Trust companies usually Handle those assets, you know, in a corporate kind of form. They handle big accounts for larger organizations and trusts. An individual could be Liz Gill. And Liz, I think I'll make you trustee of my trust that I'm setting up for the Mississippi Public Broadcasting Foundation. And I'll I'll get around to getting that $10 check to you just as soon as I can.
2: Okay. And it is giving Tuesday. And I want to just point out that, uh, attorneys like Rick Courtney, uh, of, uh, faculty members of our faculties, you know, do give their time. And I, and I think, you know, someone like Rick an hour of his time is, is worth a great deal. So we are always appreciative of the experts who appear on the show and we really appreciate you, Rick. Um, so we, you know, we, so let's talk about that. So choosing a trustee is really an important decision.
3: It is very important. Um, I'm a trustee of some trust, special needs trust for children and adults with disabilities. I've gotten that job over some years when some judges asked if I would help manage some of those accounts and things so they wouldn't lose Medicaid and those sorts of things. That's a reason to use a particular kind of trust. But in doing that, I've told people that the trustee of a trust should be loyal to the beneficiary. We'll talk a little more about what that means able to follow trust law, you don't have to be a lawyer, but you should be able to follow trust law and separate the accounts, use your best judgment. You should understand the effects of what you're doing with someone else's money, because it's not your personal money. If you're trustee, it's there for someone else, the beneficiary, that you can prepare accountings and give accountings to the beneficiaries when they request them uh, so they know how the trust is going. Uh, that you're immortal, that you're never going to die because (laughs) you need to be around as long as the beneficiaries are going to be there. Not really. Uh, That was sort of tongue in cheek. Uh, But there should be a way to always have a a successor trustee appointed because a trustee who says, this is too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. It's getting in the way of our relationship with me and the beneficiary can resign. And if they resign, who will be the new trustee? Well, You don't want to leave it uncertain. You'd rather have someone already selected uh, for that. And there can be a use of other people like trust advisors or a trust protector. Someone who's got the ability to give counsel to the trustee about things. The trustee just doesn't ordinarily know. Uh, Liz, if it were a corporate trustee, like a bank trust department, if I'm creating a trust for my child, They don't know my child like I do and like my daughter, other daughter does. So I could name Big Acme Bank as trustee, but I could name my daughter, Melissa, as trust advisor for the trust for Melanie's benefit. Melanie's the beneficiary, and her other sister is going to be able to give advice to the trustee about things she needs And I can also give the trust protector the authority to fire and hire a new trustee if they don't do right. And I can say in the trust, she can't fire them and hire herself as trustee. It's got to be someone else. So there are protections you can put into trust based on family dynamics uh, when you are considering an individual trustee.
2: And so it sounds like it's important, A, for the the drafter of the trust to write a good set of instructions and for the trustee to read the read the trust document thoroughly.
3: Essential. Yeah, that's essential that the trustee needs to read what they're supposed to be carrying out and understand what their their roles are there, um, because they have certain duties, you know, a duty of loyalty to that beneficiary. That means you're not going to take any opportunities for your own personal benefit that should be opportunities for the trust um investment your duty as a trustee is to administer the trust under the terms it says you're to do it uh, and also to use reasonable care and skill uh, law professors like professor gershon can probably better explain what that term reasonable care and skill is i mean there's so many hornbook and case law studies that have interpreted that uh, but it's basically what a prudent person would do if it were their own assets
2: well and so you, 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 you when you mentioned the fiduciary like that uh, the duty of loyalty so there's a lot of power a trustee has but it's balanced by these duties and so I couldn't if I was trustee say hey I can I can buy and sell property with the trust assets and I want to sell my house so I'm gonna I'll buy my house for premium from the trust because that would be a breach of my fiduciary duty
3: Yes, if you're self-dealing, which is what the law sometimes calls that, the trustee is taking an opportunity uh, for their own personal benefit, maybe at the expense of the trust, or they learn as trustee about an opportunity for an investment, and they don't take that opportunity for the trust, but turn around and personally use that opportunity to invest so they benefit, that could be a breach of duty by the trustee. So, you're supposed to have loyalty to the beneficiary uh, and exercise your judgment um, as a trustee for the benefit of the beneficiary on things that are pertaining to the trust. If other things come to you personally, that's fine. But uh, if it's related to the trust at all, then you have to consider that should be a trust thing. Any trust transfer um, for the trustee's benefit. A transfer out of a trust for the trustee's benefit is voidable under the law. Uh, A lawsuit could be filed to void that transfer or that transaction unless it is approved in advance by a court or unless the beneficiary, knowing about it, uh, you know, concedes that that's okay in advance or ratifies it. So there are ways to... um, enforce a duty of loyalty, uh, with a trustee that are, you know, the, the law provides certain ways. A trust is not a contract. It, it, you know, the, if my trustee does something that I don't agree with, I can't sue the trustee for breach of contract because generally the, and it, you may, uh, if you have any other, um, uh, correction of that. That's my understanding of it, it is basically from case law and things that I've read, but it's generally not a contract between the trustee and the beneficiary. So I can't really sue them for breach of contract, but I can, uh, file some action for restitution. If the trustee took things from the trust, I can file a lawsuit to have them put those funds back to recover that, uh, to surcharge the trustee. If they, uh, Used, uh, misappropriated an opportunity and my trust lost something because of that. I could file a lawsuit maybe to have the trustee uh, pay money back that would have been the value that was lost. So there are some court things that can be done to enforce the duty of loyalty by a trustee, but primarily we get back to that concept. Whoever is creating a trust needs to look at the beneficiary and pick the right trustee. And I've told clients, an individual trustee does not have to be a lawyer. You don't have to be a social worker. You don't have to be a CPA. You don't have to be an investment professional. But you do have to be willing to get good, sound advice and counsel from a lawyer and a social worker, and an investment professional, and a tax or CPA person to carry out those things you're doing. If if someone is willing to get that counsel and act on it appropriately, they can be a good trustee.
1: We're talking today about trustees for trusts. If you have a question, we would love for you to email us your questions. That address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with attorney Rick Courtney about trustees. So today is giving Tuesday, and I've got a suggestion on how you could support MPB that will take some hassle out of your life. Oh, that's what everybody wants. That'll be next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope that you'll subscribe to In Legal Terms podcast, or you could find MPB Think Radio recordings from the website for the whole station, mpbonline.org slash radio. Now, when you get a new or a different vehicle and you find yourself with an extra auto, you could donate that vehicle to MPB and not bother trying to sell it yourself. The website for the MPB Foundation is mpbfoundation.org, and I mention that because today is Giving Tuesday. But we're also talking about trustees with our guest, Richard Courtney. Richard, before, or Rick, before we move on, recap just a little bit. Some people may think, oh, a trust and a trustee, this is for fancy millionaires. Give me, let's say, three examples on when a trust might uh, general be beneficial to have formed.
3: Well, trustees are helpful to avoid court-supervised conservatorships over someone. or instance, um, If I create a trust and put my assets in the trust, I can say if I become unable to manage those assets, another trustee will step in. If there's a doctor's statement that says I can't manage anymore, then there's a way for someone else to step in and take over management of those assets for my benefit or for the benefit of my family members. So it provides an incapacity tool, management tool. Otherwise, if I got incapacitated and couldn't manage assets that I own in my personal name, someone may have to go to court, get appointed as a conservator over my assets, like a guardian of my assets. And then the court is going to direct all that they do with those from then on. They're going to have to get lawyers to go to court and get approval to buy things or use money for me. So the trust is a much easier private arrangement to handle that sort of thing. Also, a trust is very helpful to manage assets for someone who may not be able to effectively manage them themselves. For instance, the, social, the special needs trust that we do for uh, people like my daughter who have disabilities. Uh, parents want to have a way to fund the care and needs of their children on after their own deaths. And so they establish a trust they appoint a trustee who will handle the monies they leave to that trust through their will or otherwise. Uh, You can designate a trust as the beneficiary on a life insurance policy and fund it that way. You can name a trust as the beneficiary of a retirement plan, although particular care has to be taken when you do that. But uh, I can name a trust for my daughter as the beneficiary, one of the beneficiaries on my retirement plan, my IRA or 401k and fund it that way. The trustee then will hold those monies and dole them out, pay for things the child needs or the adult needs, uh, and it's not the adult's money to handle. So for children or grandchildren or others who might have a gambling addiction, substance abuse problems, just spendthrift, they just can't manage money, they're going to go spend it all and blow it, as people say, it might be better to leave that in the hands of a trustee and have that person or that bank trustee spend money to pay for their needs and give them some enjoyment of life, but they don't have the ability to just go and spend it themselves. So those are some reasons. Clients come in and they do say, Liz, uh, well, that, you know, trust, I don't have enough money for a trust. I'd say, let me tell you about my mom. She's 92. She's got Alzheimer's. She's having a good quality of life. We see her every week and, um, but when she decided to move from the 50-acre farm that she lived on by herself in Crystal Springs, before that, she had said, well, my when my stepdad died in 2013, she said, what if I can't handle this farm anymore? Can you take care of that? I said, sure. I'm the lawyer's son, so that would fall to me. My younger brother lives out of town and somewhere else, so she said, What would make it easier for you to handle the farm and the house here? I said, if it were in a trust. She said, okay. so we did a revocable trust she was trustee of her own trust and she could manage her own property as long as she wanted. But it said if she decided she wanted to resign or if she would after her incapacity, I would become the trustee. Well, she got to a point where she didn't want to keep managed. She said, I'm going to move up closer to where you and Ruthie are. And so she did. She said, what do I need to do to let you take care of selling my place? I said, well, just resign here. I, Carol Clay, resign as trustee of the Carol Clay Trust. And she did. And I was the trustee then. It was very simple. She signed that form. I became the trustee. I got a realtor. I sold her place, put the money in her account. So, as trustee, I became the one who had the authority to do that. And it was easy for her because she had said, I'm just going to resign and leave it over to you. So, those are some examples of when trusts make it easier for people. I've told people it may cost you more a little on the front end because we do more documentation and things to fund the trust and set it up to work right on the front end so that it becomes easier. In the transition later, at your incapacity or death, for other people, your children maybe to come in, step into that role. It won't have to go through a court probate for them to do some things, uh, and that's helpful too. So, people say, "Well, okay, then, yeah, it's a pay me now or pay me later sort of thing, right?" Say, <laughs> sort of is, yeah. You'll pay a little more now, so they don't have to go hire a lawyer at your death or you're in capacity and pay them to go do the stuff you're going to do now. And that's sort of how it works.
2: That's great. And that's great information. I think a lot of people have misconceptions about, you know, what a trust is and just what a, it's a tool, right? And it's uh, yeah. it, 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 having the right tools is the best way to proceed with anything.
3: That's right. And going that's, back to my mother's example, the only asset she put in her trust was her farm place, her home she didn't have her bank account in her trust because she felt good enough about me uh, that I was safe enough as a risk. She put me on her bank account with her. Well, that means at her death, it won't go through probate. It'll be my money because it's already my money. She's put me on the account. Now that's a risky move if she thought I was going to go spend it, but also it gives me the ability to pay her bills since she's uh, got, you know, Alzheimer's. Now I can still pay her bills and, that's that's one way she dealt with the bank account rather than putting it in the trust. So you don't have to put all assets in a trust. You can put some in and you can put do others other ways.
2: And, uh, you know, we, we had that caller last week. And I think part of what she was asking about is, you know, the trustees were not doing the right thing. Um, and before we get to that, the idea of breaching a duty, let's just talk really quickly about, you know, I, I, with my own personal investments, don't always do as well as I'd like to do. I'm not trying to lose money, but you know sometimes i do um so you know is a trustee held any kind of standard where you know if i if they make investments they have to make money on those investments what if the stock market uh crashes while you know while they're a trustee
3: yeah no no and i hope there's not any rule about that because as i said i'm a trustee of some trust for some uh special needs trust and all of them in this market time have lost some money it's so I hope I'm not loud. No, the the tr- the trust law does not require that the trustee always take a- advantages or or uh, increase the funds. If a prudent person, and that's the prudent investment standard that's in our law, it says, and I'm reading from the statute, the fiduciary, the trustee shall exercise the judgment and care under the circumstances then prevailing, which men of prudence discretion and intelligence exercise in managing their own affairs. So if I make decisions about investments, if they're reasonable to make, even though it loses money, I haven't breached any duty. You know, I'm acting as a reasonable trustee. Where other people invest money, like you say, you have, I have certainly, uh, on my retirement plan. We just won't look at those statements anymore right now. Um, You know, that I've lost some money. Well, people do that. The markets go up, markets go down. But I'm not to stick it in a sock under the mattress and not try to do anything with it. And I'm not supposed to invest it all in Bitcoin and junk bonds. I tell people it's somewhere in between is where reasonable lies. And you've got to get some good information. And again, you bring up another point. I'm just sort of going to burst right on into this. Trustees have discretion a trust document is either discretionary or mandatory in the way distributions are to be made. So if the trust said the trustee shall pay $1,000 a month to the beneficiary, if I'm trustee, I have no choice about that. I've got to pay $1,000 out to the beneficiary every month because the trust creator said I've got to do that. But if the trust says Trustee may pay in the trustee's discretion so much of the income or principal of the trust as the trustee deems advisable, then I have discretion about that. The beneficiary may not agree with how much I'm paying, but if I'm using proper discretion, looking at, well, is this, if these distributions to a beneficiary are going to deplete the trust. In too rapid a way, or if not making them is going to not be what the creator wanted, you know, if I'm supposed to be making some distribution, but I'm just not, then I'm breaching the duty. Um, but if I'm saying, well, I need to not make this distribution or certain distributions in certain ways, in the exercise of my discretion as a trustee, looking at all those factors, then I may be doing it right, but I may not be doing it the way the beneficiary would
2: want. So they they couldn't they couldn't see you for that your 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 uh, discretion you know, exercising discretion because you may be in a better position to make those decisions than them, and that's why there's that's why the grantor appointed you trustee is because they thought that you would have better judgment maybe than the beneficiary.
3: That's right. And, and that also points out the need for a trustee to try to have a good relationship and rapport with the beneficiary. How am I as a trustee going to be able to effectively meet the needs of the beneficiary that the trust says I'm to try to meet? If I don't know what the beneficiary's life is like and what their income is and what their abilities are to meet their own needs, I mean, I've got to have some conversations, and um, if I don't do that, then I'm not. I may not have a good basis for exercising discretion because I haven't tried to learn enough about what that means.
1: Well, we certainly are learning quite a lot about trustees, and you can send us your questions to our email address, legalterms at mpbonline org. If we don't answer them over the phone, we can forward them to our partner attorneys who help us out we are so very grateful to rick courtney for giving today agreeing to partner with us on our show today about trustees i'll tell you how you can hear more advice from him next thank you for being part of in legal terms if you've missed any of our program it's been a good one you can listen to the whole show from the mpb think radio youtube channel It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most of our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. So if you hang on at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. That's on MPB Think Radio. We are very lucky and grateful to have Rick Courtney as our guest today. And he's also been on a few past shows. I'll have a link to those podcasts that Rick has so graciously participated on with us, talking about trustees, talking about special needs, the ABLE accounts. He's uh, talked about wills and estates, a lot of great information. Today, Rick Courtney is talking with us about trustees. And we've got a a few minutes more to take your calls and to get some more information.
2: Well, as we've we've talked about, you know, what the duties of trustees are and what their powers are. But, you know, unfortunately, whether you're dealing with a bank or you're dealing with an individual trustee, you're dealing with people. And so sometimes people don't do what they're supposed to do. So what, what remedies would a beneficiary have if a trustee breaches their duty what can, they, what can they do to, to rectify that problem? I know you hit on it a little bit in one of the earlier segments, but what can they do?
3: Sure. If, if For one thing, if the trust has some confusion in it, then the trust document itself, it wasn't drafted by an attorney who was familiar with all those things. And maybe it was a DIY project someone did to draft their own trust. And there's some mistake in it that's causing it not to operate as it was intended. Well, then that trust can be reformed. That reformation of a trust is one legal option that's there. So a chancery court could say, well, we're going to reform this trust to make it act like it should have. Like everyone agreed that it was intended. It just didn't have it had a mistake of how it was to operate. That's why it hasn't been operating like it was intended originally. So a reformation is something that we've done before with trust. Modification, where there was no mistake, but now some terms of the trust just need to be modified. For instance, a beneficiary that was supposed to be getting income from it now has uh, acquired a disability. So they don't need to have this income now, or they would lose some Medicaid or other benefits. That trust could be modified if all of the trustee and the um, the beneficiaries agree to it, it can possibly be done without even going to court, but a chancery court could do that. And then there's a lawsuit, a specific performance case could be uh, filed to require the trustee to perform something that was uh, directed in the trust that they've not done, something that they were supposed to do. So, um, uh, there are various types of actions that could be brought in court to require the trustee to do something that they should do to amend or modify the trust to make it operate according to what the original intent would have been.
1: We have a call from the Gulf Coast. Let's go to Natalia. Natalia, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question?
0: Yes, thank you so much for all this valuable information. I um, always enjoy the show and um, take it to heart, um, all the details. But my question is uh regarding um the trustees that are, do not reside in the united states uh, they're trustworthy and the ones that maybe the only ones that could serve as trustees for this particular trust but they don't reside in the united states now, have you encountered any concerns or problems with people that are not um citizens of the united states and do not reside in this country
3: well uh haven't encountered any of those problems myself, Natalia. The um, the uh, Certainly, a trustee can be a trustee of a trust, e- even if they don't live in this state, as long as the state law allows it. And I honestly don't remember without looking back at the statute, whether it requires a trustee in Mississippi to be a citizen of the United States or a resident of the United States. they may be citizens here and not residing here but in another country. I just don't know. When you say the only possible trustees of the trust are living out of the country, I suppose that means the only ones you really would view on in the on the radar as being the trustees, but there could possibly be other trustees like a bank trust company. That could be a trustee of uh, domestic trust here in the United States.
0: Well, certainly, oh, yes. You know, but I, I guess I never thought of trustee being, uh, you know, another uh, entity other than the actual person. But yes, uh, this just seemed like the the right decision at the time, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just, uh, under the circumstances. But yes, you know, possibly that's a solution to have. Um, a bank or another company that is uh, specializes in managing trust, and then having the, the other person as the advisor, so to speak.
3: Yeah, that sounds like it would be a workable plan.
0: Well, thank and you it- very much. And then my other question is, how often should you take a look at the um, changing the trustee or adjusting the trust as a as a whole uh, in your experience and, and advice?
3: I tell clients they should review all of their estate plan documents, including trust every two to three years, or whenever someone that they have put in a role, like a as a power of attorney agent or an executor of a will or a trustee or a trust advisor, if one of those people has died, has married, has moved away, has become incapacitated, if some of any of those things happen, that's a reason to look back at your documents to see if a change needs to be made once the once we've done a trust or plan we have those documents in our uh, word processing system in our computers you know it's not hard for us to make amendments or revisions to those documents later if someone comes in and says i need to change something okay
0: thank you And, and i know i'm taking too much time but i have one more question is the notarized uh, statement that's attached to the trust copy of that I possess uh, have legal value to it? For example, if I'm traveling and I know it's you know abroad and I need to adjust something on it, If I write something down and have it notarized and attached, and if something happened to me, would, would that be as legal document that is valid in front of the court?
3: Well, if you're talking about an amendment to the trust of some, some type, that has to be executed the same way the trust would. That means it has to be acknowledged with a notary that you've signed and said this, I amend this section of the trust this way. Uh, but that's a little too general a question for me to go much farther with to answer. If you have a, you know, if you have an email that you want to send to uh, Liz Gill and I could try to respond a little bit more offline.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for taking uh, the time to answer all the questions. I very much appreciate it.
1: We appreciate you calling in. And we, as we say, we do not give legal advice, but we bring up topics for discussion to give you information so that you can know how to ask for advice. And if you do have any questions, don't forget our email address is legalterms.com at mpbonline.org. We've got one minute left. Richards, What uh, what's our our next thing to discuss?
2: Well, just, uh, Rick, I think, you know, things have changed a lot since I was in law school, certainly. It used to be really much harder to, if you had an irrevocable trust, it was much harder to modify that irrevocable trust. And I think the Uniform yeah. Trust Act has changed that. And Has that been your experience? Oh, I have revoked several
3: irrevocable <laughs> trusts in my practice over the last few years and when they were no longer needed or didn't, weren't fulfilling a purpose. And uh, I want, before we end, I want to just make sure we summarize for people who are considering, do I need to do a trust for myself or someone else? Or uh, should I, you know, should I consider getting a, doing a trust? Please uh, get good guidance from an attorney who understands trust drafting and those terms mean things, the words in a trust if it's mandatory, shall or may, means a big difference in the operation of a trust uh, and revocable versus irrevocable. So get good counsel from an attorney who knows how to, to draft the trust. If you're a trustee, read the trust. If you have questions about what you're supposed to do with it, get good counsel from an attorney who understands trust
1: law. Thank you so much. We appreciate uh, Richard Courtney, uh, Courtney Elder Law com is the website. We'll have links on this show's webpage. Thank you, Rick Courtney. We appreciate having you today.
3: Thanks, Liz, and Professor Gershon.
1: That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Our team consists of board engineer Jay White, call screener intern Charles Arnold, podcast producer Jermaine Flood. So for Professor Richard Gershen, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.